0: good to have you tonight. Come on in, grab a seat. Happy Wednesday, everybody. You don't generally get a happy Wednesday, but you get one when you come to church. So I'm glad you're here tonight. Somebody back there was excited. Anyways, um, quick announcements before we get into worship tonight. Don't forget, this is Sunday's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, uh, but we do have our normal 10 a.m. service. Our 10 a.m. Christmas Eve service is a one big family, so everybody knows that. In other words, the kids are with us for the whole service. They help me actually do the service. So that's this Sunday morning at 10. Then we have our Christmas Eve candlelight service this Sunday at 6 p.m. And that's a different service than it is Sunday morning. Uh, We'll have our candlelight uh, Christmas carols, But the kids have a part that night. And and we'll be reading from the Christmas story from uh, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. So anyways, and, and, and by the way, there's always treats afterwards food to have after our Christmas Eve candlelight service. So that's what's happening this Sunday morning. And for all the youth, by the way, you guys are having a post-Christmas Christmas Christmas party next Wednesday. So youth hangouts next Wednesday, but it's also a Christmas party. So uh, spread the word about that and let, let all the young people know about that. So having said that, how about we stand up on our feet, live streamers, wherever you're watching from, it's good to have you. Let's worship Jesus together tonight.
1: Honey in the rain Till my heart starts changing And I'm gonna worship Till I mean every word Cause the way that I feel And the fear I'm facing Doesn't change who you are Or what you deserve Cause you still deserve it You're worthy, you're worthy You're worthy of my song i pour out your praises In blessing and breaking You're worthy, you're worthy In Jesus you're worthy Oh, mm-hmm. I'll cry worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. And when I finally see your face, I'll cry worthy. And when you wipe these tears away, You deserve it, you worthy, you worthy, you worthy of my song. I pour out your praises and blessing and breaking, you worthy, you worthy. Jesus, you worthy of my song, I give you my worship still deserve it, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my song, I pour out your praises, in blessing and breaking. you are all things into Darkest night, you are close. This is running out, it's running out to me
0: How often, if, if you probably thought about this and actually start marking it down, how many days in a row do you spend part of your day thinking about negative things? let me know what I'm talking about? Things that make you anxious, the things that make you worry, the things that stress you, and you just you just and you you rehearse it, you roll it over in your mind. You worry about stuff that hasn't happened yet because you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. How many know what I'm talking about? Some, some of you spend nights, you, you have a hard time sleeping. You know? If you, if you mark down how much you think about negative things, you probably would surprise yourself. So, about this? How many know right now, today, here and now, God is good? Amen. And how many of you can tell stories about how God has brought you through? How many? How many has, okay. How many know that He doesn't change? He is the same as he was 3,000 years ago, as he was last week, as he's going to be tomorrow, and another 3,000 years from now. So how about this? One of the best things you can do is learn to think on him. Because one way you're going to change your thought process and begin down to, you know, to, to, as the Bible says, pull down vain imaginations is to fill your thoughts with him and his goodness and how many times he brought you through and he saw you through and he made a way where it seemed to be no way, and he did it, right? So how about this, for the next couple moments, let's think on the goodness of God. And I want you to think in your mind, recount your own testimony to yourself. His goodness and his patience and his forgiveness and the time that he did this and the time that he did that. Think about these things because it's good, right? Let's do that right now. So think about the goodness of God. Meditate on it for a moment. You are so good. You are so wonderful. I thank you, Lord, for that. I thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, there are so many good things just in this room right here of the testimonies of who you are. And Lord, my prayer is as we think about these things, Lord, as we don't forget it. And in the moments we start to roll over in our mind the negativity and, and our worries and our fears and our struggles, Lord, that. It's overtaken by the thoughts of the goodness of you. And we're reminded once again, each and every day, that you're going to see us through. So I thank you for the forgiveness that's being recounted right now. I I thank you for the patience that you have shown that's being recounted right now. I thank you, Lord, for the times that there was financial blessing that's being recounted right now. I thank you, Lord, for the times that, that... physical bodies were healed in jesus name i thank you for that i thank you for the times that people were set free from oppression that's being recounted right now addictions that's being re- recounted right now i thank you lord that you made ways lord in in the wilderness you, you've carved ways right through the wilderness for people that's being recounted right now for you were good you were so good And Lord, as the the, the song is saying there, it's recounting the scripture, you're not just good, but your goodness, it runs after us, it chases us down. Mercy and goodness will follow us all the days of our lives as we head towards dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, Psalm 23. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, for your glory, for your glory, in Jesus' name. How about one more time? Your your goodness is running after me, okay? Let's do that again.
1: the ninety-nine for the one. We just give you all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise tonight. We lift our eyes towards you, God. Just come and be here with us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here with us. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening and kiddos, you are dismissed.
0: Will everybody get their kids checked in downstairs for uh, kids' church? Give them a moment remember it's good it's good habits good habits of Developing a, I call it a healthy rhythm, a healthy rhythm of prayer, your own personal time in the scriptures, right? Uh, The Bible talks about meditation. That's just not some new age weirdo thing where you sit, you know, and cross your legs and mm, and hum. Meditation, in other words, you're, you're rolling the scripture around in your mind, right? Good habits, healthy rhythms of those things. Help deal with your mind. Too many of us, our minds control us. You know what I'm talking about? And the only way you're going to renew your mind, as the scripture says, is when you start to get your mind into Him. And that happens because you pray, you get into the scriptures, you meditate on the scriptures. When things are in your mind, negativity or things that should not be there, you are actively, with the authority in the name of Jesus, casting and pulling down. And in those moments, then filling it with the goodness of him. Whether you got to pray, you got to meditate on the scripture, or simply you're just recounting, as, as we were just saying, the goodness of God. But don't let, don't let negativity rule your mind, because if negativity rules your mind, then worry and anxiousness and, and stress will rule your mind. Okay? I was just talking to somebody the other day. Don't, they don't go here, but... Uh, they're having a lot of sleepless nights because stressed, They're just overwhelmed. We just prayed, but but knowing that, but here you got to get into good habits of connection to to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do in you, in you because you you are not going to change your mind, but He can. Right? Amen. Things to think on. All right, tithing offering. Baskets are out here. If you have something to give tonight, uh, I appreciate that. Um, you can prepare it. Uh, offering envelopes, as you always know, in the chairs in front of you. If, if there's one not there for some reason, if you wave your hand around frantically, they'll find you and give you one. Um, but let me pray over your giving tonight. And uh, somebody was telling me before service, this is a funny story. Uh, somebody was telling me before service, they turned in their tithe envelope a week ago and then discovered they never put their, their money in it. So... They ghosted the offering. But anyway, that's okay. That's okay. We pray they're blessed anyways. And uh, <laughs> I was telling a story. It's kind of a funny story. Uh, I know somebody um, that uh, they, just, they just didn't understand some things. And if you remember back in the old days, the old days when you bought a vehicle, they sent you home with a booklet of tickets that you sent in with your payment. How many remember that, those old days? Okay. Do they still do that? Some. Okay. I don't know. She pays, she pays everything. I don't know. So, um, and they called, well, somebody that was connected to my family called my mom and were like, hey, uh, we wanted you to know we're going to have to come get that car from this person. And, and uh, she's like, well, what? And they were just sending those receipt tickets in the mail with no money every month for like several months. They just said, well, if I just send these in, the car's being taken care of. And didn't, anyway, so um, don't do that. Bad idea. Anyways. But you're giving, you know, I don't, I don't ever pray that you give. I pray that the Lord puts on your heart to give. And, and I, I, don't, I don't ask the Lord for certain things to come into the church. I ask the Lord that he presses on your heart what to do about giving to the church, amen? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you uh, for the house and, and your provision in the house and provision for us as families and individuals, Lord, and knowing that in every case, Lord, you you are above and beyond what we need. And I think, Lord, that we were... To, to learn to look to you more than any other thing, and you will, again, prove yourself faithful to us. And because you're a good father, you're a good God, and we thank you for that. So, Lord, we give tonight lives of faith that we're living in you and by you and for you, and we thank you just for that relational intimacy we have that you show up in areas like our finances, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, you can bring it down to the basket. Um, uh, another announcement, real quick, is don't forget we're going to pass this around. Probably not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, uh, the 31st. And by the way, uh, Christmas Eve is this Sunday. Then the following Sunday is, is December 31st, so it's New Year's Eve, and we have church that day. So all right, so please be here for that. Uh, we have a sign-up sheet in the back uh, for what we call marriage minutes. So what I want to do is starting into the new year, pretty consistently, it won't be like every week or even every other week, but we'll consistently put out one-minute videos about strengthening your marriage, okay? Reminders. Uh, Marriage is like a car. If you're not working on it, eventually it'll break down. And you don't want to wait till it breaks down because you always have to pay more money than you did when you just kept it up in the first place. So my kids have cars. And as they're teenagers with their car... Not one of them has ever avoided this. Eventually, they come to me and say, you know, Dad, when I press the brakes, it sounds like something grinding in my car. I'm like, well, that's your brake pads because they don't exist anymore. So we just not only have to replace brake pads, now we may be into the calipers, and then now we just multiplied our money. You know what I'm saying? If, if we were thinking, we would have got to the brake pads before it was grinding. Your marriage is like that. you got to work on your marriage. So marriage minutes... Uh, just, just some, some uh, every, every now and then, just a reminder of things to work on your marriage. And by the way, just a little commercial, we are having our Love Your Marriage night, and that, this coming year, is uh, Friday night, March the 1st. So mark your calendars to be here for that. That's a way long away announcement. All right, so your Bible's Matthew chapter number two. If you want to pull your Bibles out and, and join with me there. Everybody's ready for Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas, Matthew. It's coming quick. I'm excited. I always look forward to it. I'm looking forward to our time in church on Sunday, but also uh, family. I, I get to see my uh, family in Pennsylvania next week. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, on Wednesdays, we've been uh, doing a series about the prophecies that we find in the Old Testament concerning the birth of Jesus. And, and we're connecting where we find them in the Old Testament uh, and where we're, they're picked up and, and highlighted in the New Testament and, and talking about it a little bit because uh, it, if, if you are not trained in the eye, if you want to say that, when you read the Old Testament you will miss some of the messianic prophecies about Jesus that are there, and and the New Testament writers help highlight that. Of course, they have a better understanding of of the Old Testament and and the Hebrew Scriptures and things like that to to see these things. Um, So this is our fourth week of this. So Matthew chapter 2, we're actually going to start in the New Testament tonight uh, with a story that um, we were in last Sunday, and we'll be in it it again, this Sunday, so last Sunday, we, we talked about uh, the Christmas story concerning King Herod. And this Sunday, uh, we'll, we'll jump back to the wise men and, and their uh, part of the Christmas story. But Matthew chapter 2, verse number 19 says this. When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dream uh, to Joseph in, in Egypt. Now, remember, uh, the wise men came because they're looking for Jesus, this baby that was born. And somehow they end up with King Herod. And King Herod is now alarmed that there is a king being born. And now he becomes worried about his power in the area of Judea. So uh, the wise men go and find, at this time, uh, not nativity seen baby Jesus, but somewhere probably between one and two years old, they find Jesus. Herod wants them to come back and and tell them where Jesus is so he can go kill him. An angel uh, warns the the wise men not to do that, and they go on their way, and Herod, as we were talking about this past Sunday, ends up killing all the baby boys two years and under in the Bethlehem area. Now, once Herod had died, uh, at this time, Joseph by again a warning in a dream, took Mary and Jesus to Egypt. And this is where we were last week talking about the prophecies about that. And King Herod died. Now the angel comes and said, hey, you can go back. King Herod is dead. Uh, The baby Jesus' life is no longer in danger. Okay? So pick back up here, verse 20. It says, rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Uh, But when he had heard Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that it was spoken by the prophets. Now, this is important to hear this. Spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Of course, you know, Jesus was known in his public ministry as Jesus of Nazareth. And even above him on the cross was was, uh, the same. Jesus of Nazareth. So it designated where Jesus was, the area that he lived in, the town that he lived in as a child as he grew up. So Nazareth was in the, the area of Galilee. Okay? So if you want to go by me, so I grew up from second grade through until I left home in Hershey, Pennsylvania, okay, and, and I was actually, my parents lived in a town uh, that I was born called Palmyra, but so they would have called me Kylan of Hershey, okay, you think about that, Jesus of Nazareth, right? Now, Nazareth, it's interesting that the, the town, the city of Nazareth, it wasn't a big town, it was actually kind of an obscure town, uh, wasn't much important there. And, and there's even some thought that Nazareth wasn't just a specific town, but was sort of a scattering of towns within the, the area of Galilee, okay? Now, what's interesting about this is, I'm, I'm going to say something now. We're going to have to work through this, okay? What's interesting about this, when Matthew says that was spoken by the prophets that might be fulfilled, he would be called a Nazarene, that is nowhere in the Old Testament. Now, every time we've, we've looked at a prophecy, uh, picked like he was born in Bethlehem, that's an Old Testament. It's quoted there. That, that he would be brought up out of Egypt, we just read it there. That's an the Old Testament. Hosea. So all these different uh, prophecies about Jesus, you can literally find it quoted in the Old Testament. But that he would be called a Nazarene is not there. It's nowhere in the Bible. And there is actually no extra-biblical source that has that quote. It's, it's really interesting. And what's also interesting on top of it is the fact that uh, at the time of the Old Testament prophets that we have, like Isaiah and, and, and 700 years before the birth of Jesus, there was no town of Nazareth at that time. So it's really interesting because there... And, and this is where I'm kind of being bold actually talking about this tonight... There is no consensus on what Matthew's talking about here that he will be called a Nazarene or from Nazareth. It's not in the Old Testament. There's no extra biblical source that has that as a quote. So there's been a lot of debate on what Matthew is getting at when he says this. And notice he said prophets, plural, they're not the prophets said. The prophets have said that he will be called. A Nazarene or, or from Nazareth. So I'm gonna give you a couple of the ideas about this. And, and, and if you want to fall down this rabbit hole and talk about and study this, go ahead. You're gonna find there's a handful of different thoughts on what Matthew's getting at here. But first of all, we will say this we trust Matthew. So in some way the prophets did say this. And it could be that there was some tradition and prophets that was handed down that we don't have recorded in the scripture, but the fact is it's not in our Bible. So, I'm going to show you a couple different things, a couple different possibilities of what Matthew's after here. Let's go to John chapter 1 and verse number 43. So, I know there's going to be a small portion of you that after you leave tonight, you may be doing it right now, that you're Googling, does the Old Testament say, G-? and you're going to, it's not going to be there. I'm telling you right now. Trust me, okay, but you can still Google it. All right, John chapter number 1. And verse number 43. So I hope I have your interest with this. John chapter 1 and verse number 43. It says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, okay? And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter, And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, verse 46. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, it is known that Nazareth didn't have a great reputation. So if you can think of, and I'm not even going to throw a town out there, but if you can think of a town that doesn't have a good reputation, and you think, if I have to go there, it, I just, I don't know, it may be going to be, it seems like it's depressed, it's not fun, or there's a lot of danger there. You know what I'm talking about. You can think about a town like that. Nazareth didn't have a good reputation. And uh, these, these guys are talking, he's Jesus, he's from Nazareth, and Nathaniel's like, yeah, can anything really good come from Nazareth. Now, one thought about what Matthew's getting at when he wrote that is, is that the Bible and the prophets do prophesy that Jesus would be rejected by people as if what good can come out of Nazareth. So, Psalm, Psalm 22. Here, here are two of the uh, the prophecies in the Bible about G- in the Old Testament about Jesus—they they are concerning about his crucifixion. Uh, psalm 22 uh, is one of the, the famous ones. By the way, if you go to Psalm 22:1, it starts with the psalm starts with "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Remember when Jesus was on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalm 22 when he did that. And he was directly connecting himself to biblical prophecy about being the Messiah. Now, now here's, here's something else in Psalm 22. It says, uh, Psalm 22, 6, but I am a worm and not a man, Watch this: scorned by mankind and despised by the people. That's about Jesus. And all who see me mock me, and they make uh, mouths at me. They they wag their heads. You see that? So we know that Jesus was despised by the people so much that they crucified him. Isaiah 53. And, of course, Isaiah 53 is one of the great uh, scriptures of prophecy about the crucifixion of Jesus. Isaiah 53 and verse number three. Again, this is, this is fulfilled with Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and, and acquainted with grief. As one who, from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, remember the verse in the Bible where Jesus uh, talking about those who follow him, and he says, foxes have holes, and birds of ear have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was talking about the fact that he is being despised and rejected by the majority of the people around him as he's doing his earthly ministry. And that there's thoughts that because Nazareth was a despised place in that uh, nothing good can come from Nazareth, Matthew is taking the reputation of Nazareth and gathering it up into the different prophecies that we find in the Old Testament that Jesus himself came from obscurity and he was despised and rejected. And what really good can come from Nazareth? That's one uh, possibility of what Matthew's getting at uh, with what he wrote and what we read earlier. And here's another one. Now, this this is one you have to think a little bit more with me on. Uh, and I was actually on the phone, my, I, I have a friend named Mark, uh, he was here one Sunday, and I forgot to introduce him and I kicked myself afterwards for it, someday I'll have him come and speak here. My friend Mark uh, is a professor at a university in uh, Georgia, yeah, uh, he was uh, adjunct professor of Greek at Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky, He's one of my best friends, so we, we, we talk theology, but whenever I get into something that's one step above my education, I call Mark because he's above me in the pay grade scale. You know what I'm saying? And this one has to do with the Hebrew language and the Greek language. I have education in it, but he knows more than I do. So I was on the phone with him about this last night. We had an interesting conversation. But there is a connection, and this is one of the ways that you find most often connected to what uh, Matthew's writing when he says that he will be called a Nazarene. It's connected to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number one. So let's go there. So if you want to find in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 11, and verse number one, another prophecy that is fulfilled in Jesus that we find in the Bible, the Old Testament. Isaiah 11. And I'm, I'm going to read uh, the first verse, and then we'll come back and read the rest of this later and see, uh, again, the fulfillment of, of Jesus in these things. And it says... There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and the branch from its roots shall bear fruit. Okay, that ultimately is talking about Jesus. Now, what's really interesting is that word branch right there in verse number one, the Hebrew word is very similar to the Greek word Nazareth. And there's many people who think that Matthew's doing a word play with that word root, the branch, I mean, and the word Nazareth. And he's drawing a comparison here. The prophets say that Jesus is the one who's going to come forth from Israel and fulfill all things that Israel is brought to do. And that's why he is called a Nazarene. So uh, a word play. And uh, that's not unusual, by the way. It's not unusual, with the usage of of scripture and words that are similar to one another. So let's read Isaiah chapter 11. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a a stump that seemed to be dead. A branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And watch this. And this is reminiscent of Isaiah 61. (coughs) Excuse me. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And righteousness shall be the belt of his ways, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And all these things that he does in judgment ends in this, is this picture of, of, of the newness of all things. And the wolf shall be with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion shall be, and the fat and calf together. And little children shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and the young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Now you you see how this is a wonderful gathering to Jesus, that in righteous judgment, he is going to change over everything in such a new way that all the systems you thought how they work are no longer valid. A little child can play in front of a deadly snake's hole and it's okay. A lion shall eat with something that would normally eat, but instead eat the grass and, and, and the, the hay of the field. You see that? That that is a picturistic, a poetic, imaginative way of how God is going to renew all things. And it happens because the stump that we thought was dead of Israel, that had been divided and conquered, out of it comes a branch and a shoot that bears fruit. That's Jesus. And there's many that think that, again, he shall be called a Nazarene, is drawing from that word branch in the Hebrew that this is the fulfillment of what Matthew's talking about. Pretty interesting. So, to say some things like this. Jesus, we know, was despised. We know that Jesus was rejected. Now, the Bible says in the book of John... And it goes like this. If the world hated me, Jesus talking, what's that mean for us? The world would probably hate you also. Because the servant is not greater than the master. So one thing we can draw from this, Jesus of Nazareth, from an obscure place, what good can come from Nazareth, is really our place in this world. Now, I do not personally try to seek out being rejected. I think some people wear that stuff like a badge. If if people aren't talking bad about you, you're not living the Christian life right now. Right? But yet, but yet, there is the distinct possibility that when you're a light for Jesus, people will talk bad about you and you will be despised and you will be rejected and you will be what good can come from those people that call themselves christians right and it's not necessarily to wear those things like a badge but jesus did say by the way sermon on mount listen blessed are you if you're persecuted for my name but for yours is the kingdom of heaven yeah so I don't, I don't live this life trying to be rejected and despised. But if it happens and I count it as a marker of that I'm not greater than my master, and there it is, that I will be a light for him even if I'm cut out socially, I'm not accepted in this group of people, if I'm looked at it as... as I don't know, close-minded, I don't know, whatever, whatever words you want to use in our current social vernacular, right? That Jesus himself was despised, therefore, that may be my fate also. But I do that with the understanding that for the sake of the gospel, that may be the call, and this world as it currently is, is not my home anyways. I have to participate in it. I have to. I got to go and pay my bills and get food somewhere. I have to participate in this world, right? But ultimately, my home is the home that is coming, new heaven and new earth. And blessed are those who are persecuted for his name's sake, for yours is, is the kingdom of heaven, right? And we may be obscure, I mean, the Bible does say that those who follow him are kind of like a peculiar people. And that word peculiar doesn't necessarily carry the meaning that we use it as, but yes, they set apart people, a people who live differently, a people who think differently, a people who have a different perspective, right? But God works in what is obscure. He comes from Nazareth, of all places. And he hangs out with the sinners and the tax collectors. And people get mad about it. He eats and he drinks with them. Oh, he's a glutton and a drunkard. They accuse him. And he says things, but hey, I didn't didn't come to hang out with the healthy people. I came to hang out with those who are actually sick, the the, the outcasts, those who are obscure, those that have not been accepted into the religious system that you have here. The people you want to keep from the inner courts of the temple. Did you, know, did you know the lame and the sick were not allowed to get in close in the temple? Did you know that? That was the decree that David made. Couldn't get in there. You weren't clean enough. And who's Jesus hanging around and touching? He touched all sorts of people that would have made him unclean according to the law. That's where he, was, he was among what we would consider obscure. The edges, and he pulled it in. But it wasn't just for them, by the way, as we will talk about Sunday. Remember, the, the angels at the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the very first people that was announced to were the who? The shepherds, low class. But yet the wise men of nobility that could bring precious gifts came too. Because it's good news for all of the people. But it starts with Jesus. Again, who was not born into nobility, that dad was a carpenter, right? Wasn't born into a high level of political affluence. Wasn't born in the king's court. Wasn't any room for them anywhere that they could have a place. So they, they found a, uh, anywhere they could go. And it was like, we, we think in our minds, whether a, a stable or, or some sort of a cave, there may have been a donkey there for all we know. We think he was laying in a manger. We know that is a feeding trough. So that's where we get that from. The king of kings and lord of lords from the ancient of days came from obscurity. Then grew up in a town that was, wasn't just a good place. But that's where the kingdom of God works. And by the way, that's how the kingdom of God works. You know, in the kingdom of God, God is not looking for superstars, He's just looking for people who serve Him and be a light. And if you get rejected by man because of it, I'll take my chances now for what's coming. Amen? So so the branch that grows out, the the root of Jesse, again, the line of David, will do all of these things through the obscurity of his beginnings, so much so that he brings righteousness and the the, the, the world... The world is judged by his word. You see that there, by the way, in verse 4 of of chapter 11 of Isaiah, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. You know the image of Jesus coming back again on the white horse in Revelation 19, I think is where it's at? You know that? He's got a tattoo, that whole thing. That's where "Ah, I can get a tattoo. Jesus had one in Revelation 19. All right, whatever, go for it. His robe dipped in blood, right, symbolic of his crucifixion, and when we, we have this image of this great battle and armies of heaven coming behind him. And what does the Bible say that happens? He lays low this, in this battle with this sword. And where does the sword come from? Where? His mouth. Verse 4. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. We think of the battle of Armageddon, we think this, I don't know, you, if you want to take that literally, Jesus is going to have this big, giant, huge sword hanging out of his mouth. He's going to come down and just kill everybody with it. I kind of take it as he judges it with his word. And by his word, the nations rise and fall. In chapter 11 in Isaiah, see fulfillment, see how things pick up. Yeah. That's what this obscure baby born in a manger, grew up in Nazareth of all places, is doing. He is currently in the process of making all things new in a certain way that is actually judging the world when he's making all things new. You know that? And it's all rolling and heading towards in a very subversive way his coming again in this great picture of the, the, the white horse of judgment and what he brings. And what follows is new heaven and new earth. You see that? And, and, and that, is, that is taking what Matthew said, and he will be called a Nazarene, and kind of rolling into big picture. See that? That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is not about, "Wow, well, that's a nice little baby that was born, and we check out. It's the start of this story that you have to immerse yourself in. Again, it goes from a cradle to a cross to an empty tomb, to an ascension, to eventually a coming again. That's the story that Christmas rolls us into. Amen? So yeah, he, he was in Nazarene. That's where he grew up. But in the midst of that obscurity and his rejection, he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he is coming to judge the living and the dead. Amen? Do you believe? Then tell somebody at Christmas about this. I'm going to get a couple presents, I'm assuming, on Christmas. You get me something? Okay. And I promise I'll love it. I promise I'll love it. I actually got you something, too, I didn't forget. I actually had something come today. You know what I do? I cheat because she's home. She works from home, and all the packages come. So I have my assistant order everything and send it to her house, and she don't get to see it, so I cheat. I'm sneaky like that. Pretty smart, right? So anything, something came. You get something, but... At the end of the day, so what? It's nice, it's okay. But Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords is the most important thing. Remember, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My treasure is not in a presence she gets me, though I super appreciate it. My treasure is the kingdom in him. And that's what this is about, amen? All right. Let's pray. Hopefully that was interesting to you. Let's pray. We'll close out tonight. Lord, I thank you that you did draw near to us to save us. I thank you, Lord. And I I thank you that you did work from the outside in, that you didn't come just for a select group of people, but you came for everybody. Body. I thank you for that. So Lord, so, Lord, I pray that there's a fire in our hearts this Christmas season. Not, not just because of family and friends and, and uh, the, the things that we count as the joy of this holiday, but a fire in our heart because of you. And this fire goes well past next Monday but it keeps going and keeps growing and we roll into the new year, Lord, and that you are our source and you are our reason and you are why we do what we do. Lord, we praise you and we worship you and we meditate on your goodness. Lord, raise us up. Raise us up to be a people called by you, people of your own, In Jesus' name, Lord, we do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Amen. All right, well, one big family Sunday morning. Uh, If you're not gonna be here because of family traveling, Merry Christmas, we'll see you next week, but hopefully we see a lot of you this weekend. So have a wonderful rest of the week. We'll see you Sunday morning.